North Carolina dominates Clemson 91-71 and is now 60-1 and all-time against the Tigers in Chapel Hill as Carolina puts together their most complete and dominant performance of the season at the most important time. The question now, where do the Tar Heels go from here? You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, February 13th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I am your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us today. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, with whom you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals in 2023. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. Uh, For those of you watching on YouTube, you can already see this. I am rocking today a Chiefs hoodie. I have lived in the great state of misery, (laughs) of Missouri, as the locals say here. I've lived in Missouri now almost 13 years, so I figured, you know, it's probably time for me to get some kind of paraphernalia of the home team. So, was cheering for the Chiefs last night in that crazy, crazy game, uh, which they come away with Pat Mahomes on a bum ankle. Anyway, coming up on today's show, we got the Four Corners recap of this game, the shady stat of the game, the Miami preview because it's a quick turnaround, plus some other stuff, women's basketball wins, shorthanded, great stuff. But we start with my biggest takeaway from the Clemson game, and that is this. That was North Carolina basketball, unlike anything we've seen in this basketball season. That was quintessentially a North Carolina basketball team a North Carolina basketball game this team played a full 40 minutes and gave me what I needed to see and I'm very happy about it and I would imagine that you are too so I just want to spend a little time talking about what I thought it was that Carolina did so well that that made this a complete game because it's one thing to say you know it it was a complete game well done and yeah you could look at the score and just imagine that but but why so well first off you got to remember the dichotomy that we'd seen recently the second half of the duke game the Tar Heels scored 25 points you combine that with the first half of the wake forest game 25 points also so 50 points in those two halves But then remember what Carolina did in the second half against Wake Forest? 60 points. And you started to think like, "Eh, there's maybe something there. Carolina comes out in the first half against Clemson and gets 42. So in the second half against Wake, plus the first half against Clemson, you got 102 points as compared to the 50 from the second half of Duke and the first half of Wake. That's very different. So then we we look at that that post Wake Forest meeting, right? Which is similar to what happened last year um, when uh, Dewey Ferris had everyone together. Interestingly enough, he had everyone over, it sounds like, on Friday night to his house um, to, to kind of hang out and be together. This dude's a linchpin. Um, so did, did the meeting after the Wake Forest game help? At least for this game, it did, right? We, we haven't seen enough yet to trust if it will continue to happen. We're waiting on that. But for this game, Carolina was locked in on both sides. 
we talked about in our preview on Friday how the defense and the offense had to feed each other, and it certainly did in this game. Were there slight lapses here and there? Sure, absolutely. That That's going to come, and that's going to happen. But for the most part, both sides of the court, this team was locked in together. Another thing that I thought the meeting helped with, uh, and frankly, the, the backs against the wallness nature helped with too, was the urgency. The urgency was there the entire game. Carolina, you could you could feel it. Um, they they were connected in a way that I haven't often seen. Like it's like because of the meeting, like there is a connection now. We we feel each other, we understand each other, we get what we're trying to do, and it's almost like that breeds some trust. Because another word that I would use in addition to connected was engaged. I thought, like, particularly you look at Caleb Love and Man, he just seemed so locked in. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit, but I thought he was the prime example of that. And I think most importantly, the I've, I've used here's words I've used: um, dominated, complete, connected, urgency, engaged. But you know what? The most important word: fun. It looked like this was a fun basketball game, and that they enjoyed it. They enjoyed playing together. And I know that's true when the ball is going in the basket and you're dominating a team. Sure. But I think a lot of that came because Carolina was having fun. It, it's a it's a great game. It's a great sport, and they get to play it. And I know at times, because as hard as you work, it, it's a job, right? And it doesn't feel like now you're getting paid. And so it's literally a job. But it just looked like they had fun, and I love that. Let me give you four examples of part of why I, I thought um, this was such a complete game. Uh, very specific, tangible things. Number one. The bench was a big part of this. For example, 13.05 left in the first half. Clemson is up 12 to 9. Uh, Puff, uh, Puff Johnson and DeMarco Dunn are already in, but at that point, Jalen Washington checks in as well. So now you've got those three subs with Caleb Love and Leaky Black. Remember, down three at that point. That group of five played together until 8.49 left on the clock, so just over four minutes. At that point, all three subs check out and Carolina is now up 22 to 17. That's right. A 13 to five run in that stretch. Six of those 13 points were by the bench. Seven of them came from Caleb from a free throw in two threes. I cannot be, I mean, you get that, right? You see how important it is for the bench when it's like 60% of the lineup is the bench, not only to hold, but to, to push, like take a lead and push it out. Wow. That, that is Unbelievable. 25 total points from the bench in this game. That kind of thing needs to happen more consistently. Number two, uh, it wasn't just the bench. The big three were in it. We've often wondered this season, well, what happens hypothetically in a game this year if Armando's on and Leaky's on and RJ's on? Or excuse me, if Armando and Caleb and RJ are on from, from a scoring standpoint. And boy, were they in this one. The combination of that threesome scored 59 points when they checked out with four minutes and 22 seconds left. When they did, Clemson had only scored 57. That's right. When Caleb, RJ, and Armando checked out, it was 59-57, that trio over Clemson. That's what they need to do. Moreover, they were very efficient in scoring those 59 points. I think that's almost more imperative than uh, anything else. Number three uh, reason I thought this was a complete and connected game is remember I already I already mentioned that the defense and offense were doing it. 
the combination of Caleb Love and RJ Davis, five offensive fouls drawn against Clemson. Three from RJ, two from Caleb. One of them was a little bit questionable, but you know what? Caleb got whistled for one of the most silly, silly offensive fouls I have ever seen. You know what? It was offensive to me. <laughs> it was not an offensive foul. Um, and so anyway, the, the two of those guys, your backcourt stands in and draws five offensive fouls against Clemson. That's buy-in. And then number four, why I thought this team was so connected is I, I talked about that kind of dichotomy of the first half and second half of, uh, you know, earlier from those other games. And so you had the second half of Wake, the first half of this game where Carolina has scored a combined 102 points. And you think, okay, can it be truly 40 minutes or are we just going to get two different halves again? Carolina scored 42 points in the first half. They came out in the second half and from the get-go of that 9-2 run, and it's like, all right, they're going to do it. And they did. They outscored their first half total with 49 points. Keep in mind, the starters leave the game with four minutes and 22 seconds left. And so outscored the first half. That's great. It's connected 40 minutes. But now here's the question going forward. <laughs> We've not seen the consistency of this yet all year. How do you build on this great performance immediately, immediately when Miami comes to town tonight. This cannot be a one-off. We have no reason right now to trust that it won't be. We have no reason to trust that it's like one-off and then right back uh, down. You got to do it again tonight against Miami. And then, and then maybe you start to believe, but you keep taking it one game at a time. Well, we want to get into more of this game. Four things that I thought were chiefly important. As always, we're going to have the four corners recap, and I'll give you my shady stat of the game. We will do that in just a second. But first, I need to tell you that this uh, episode, I almost said this game, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success this year all depends on the team members that you surround yourself with. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn jobs with which you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skill sets, the values and experiences that you're looking for. LinkedIn jobs helps you quickly attract and identify the most qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools and then connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your qualifications all right there on one platform. Reminder, you want to achieve your business goals in 2023, and the right new team member might help you do exactly that. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. So once again, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, four corners recap for this game. Number one, Armando Baycott. You well know this. It circulated everywhere. ESPN played it on the broadcast on Saturday. But Armando, you know, that whole quote after the game from Wake Forest, basically like, hey, I'm not quitting. I'm going to be here at practice on Thursday. Uh, hopefully you will be too. But if you're not in with me, get out of here was basically the message of that. That's obviously not verbatim. When you make comments like that, whether it's anytime a player speaks out, if it's making a guarantee like, hey, we will win this game or 
calling out teammates or calling teammates to a higher standard, whatever it may be, you have to be the one that's the ringleader to go out and back that up, right? It can't just be talk and then you go out and go 0 for 5 from the field with two rebounds. No, Armando has to back up that talk with his play. And he did. He absolutely did. 19 points, 11 rebounds. Honestly, I I thought he could have had more just as has been the case at times this season. Carolina forgot about him a little bit at times. Um, and so got to, got to keep getting in there, but here's the thing though. Did you expect any different from Mondo? This dude always posts. He's always there, whether, you know, I mean, gosh, I know there's been a couple games this year where he literally wasn't there because he missed. So by definition, he's always there is, is not, not correct. I get that, but you know what I mean? Like he plays through injuries, he plays through multiple injuries and he always shows up and does it. So I I didn't expect anything different, but still you have to do it when you speak out and Armando did 19 points, 11 rebounds. And also PJ Hall's the kind of player who's a great basketball player. I I really think he's great, like aggressive, tough, um, and just a really strong um, college basketball player for Clemson. And he's the type of guy that you could see getting under Mondo's skin just because He's got some of that Tyler Hansbrough-ness to him, if I can put it that way. <laughs> Hear me not comparing him in any way, but some of those same qualities that made Tyler so good if he's on your team and you hate him if he's not. And so I could see Mondo, who has gotten a couple frustration fouls lately, really getting bothered, but he wasn't. And I thought that was important as well. Number two on our Four Corners recap. Oh boy, was this ever a leaky lockdown type game quintessential leaky lockdown game before i even talk about that side of it leaky himself had some strong stats in this nothing eye popping crazy but just good healthy stat stuffing type game seven points on three of five shooting one of two from three i believe if i remember correctly he had five of carolina's first nine so didn't do too much more after that but also at or at scoring wise didn't do too much more after that did a lot after that in other things Seven rebounds, two assists, zero turnovers, one steal, and one block. That seven rebounds, he's got 36 in his last four games combined. That is really, really helpful from Leakey in what he's doing. But the Leakey lockdown of it, this dude's guarding Hunter Tyson. That's his defensive assignment in this game. Hunter comes in averaging 16.1 points per game and 10.8 field goal attempts per game. That's important. You might think, why are you telling me how many times he shoots the ball a game, Isaac? Hang on. I'll get there. Hunter Tyson. All right. 16 points per game. He played 32 minutes in this game and scored three points. 13 points below his season average. Now, those three points, it was a beautiful. He had a really nice three-pointer, just got free, wiggled free away from Leakey once. Top of the lane. Great. Congrats to you. But here's the thing. It's not just that he only made one one basket and only had three points. It's that he only attempted two. Hunter Tyson attempted two shots in this game. This dude who averages 16 points a game, who attempts just shy of 11 shots a game, shot twice in 32 minutes. That's the leaky black effect. That is a quintessential leaky lockdown game, and I love it. Because keep in mind, right, like from a scoring standpoint, Leakey had contributed seven points, but he held his mark 13 points below his season average. That contributes to Carolina just as much as him scoring 
13 points more than his season average. You know what I mean? That's highly, highly important for this team. Also, I love uh, at UNC Sports Talk on Twitter. I had mentioned some of this leaky stats and he wrote back, quote, forgot all about this guy, meaning Hunter Tyson. I don't even remember his name getting called. It's a shame too, because I had a ton of Luke Kennard lookalike jokes to make, (laughs) which that's hilarious and I love it. But this to me speaks so much of the great job that Leakey did on him that he literally erased him from the consciousness of Carolina fans watching this game because this dude that scores over like 16 points a game had three and only took two shot attempts. Uh, perhaps the sweetest attempt, uh, sweetest individual play of Leakey on him was around 740 left in the first half. Uh, Hunter Tyson gets into the lane, tries a series of pump fakes. Leakey doesn't go for any of it, just walls him off, verticality. And when Hunter Tyson does try and, try and finally get the ball to the rim, Leakey just kind of swats it away, takes it, and starts off in transition. And I thought it was about to be this monster, monster dunk. And, oh, what a defense offense thing that would have been. But Leakey got blocked, so we just won't talk about that side of it anymore. But that individual defensive effort, man, Leakey, Love it. Bring it all the time. Number three on our four corners recap, Caleb stinking love. That's his actual middle name stinking. Cause this dude brought it in this game. I already talked about how connected and engaged I thought he was, um, but let's unpack it in some more specifics. I mean, the biggest thing that stands out when anyone just checks out the box score, Hey, Caleb love led every score in this game, 23 points on a very efficient seven of 12 shooting six of nine from three and three of four from the free throw line. And so that's the thing that stands out. But beyond that, I thought he added so many more things that were really, really healthy and helpful contributions to Carolina's victory. Let me just lay some of them out. Um, The five assists, to lead Carolina and just one turnover, right? So Caleb clearly not just hunting his own shot, finding teammates. uh, You could see just the eye test. He had his head on a swivel and just one turnover to boot to boot. Uh, We already talked about his offensive fouls drawn. I thought his one-on-one defense uh, on, on Clemson offensive players was, was stronger than I've seen a lot of times this year. Just it was strong and solid and, and at times was pretty stifling. If we're being honest, Caleb can do that. He had just one rebound in this game, but it was a very important rebound early in the game. It was within like the first three minutes and PJ Hall basically thought he had a rebound and Caleb just rips it away from him and starts off in the other direction. And uh, the other thing I would point out about Caleb is I thought he did a really nice job of mixing aggressively getting to the rim and getting good open shots. And so, man, Caleb Love, great, great job. Number four in our four corners recap, a healthy Puff Johnson is integral to Carolina being able to continue stepping to higher reaches and higher levels this season. Many uh, are calling for a starting lineup change. Uh, it, I mean, it's louder than I've ever heard it this season in terms of Puff starting in place of Pete, which is Interesting and ironic, because remember, we've talked about quite a bit. If Pete hadn't come to Carolina, Puff probably would have been in that starting four position this season. Now, uh, in terms of that switch, we'll talk more about it in the Miami preview here in just a second. For me, here, here's where I'm at on it. Whether Puff starts or not, starters minutes are in the cards for him, meaning I'm fine with Puff uh, Pete staying in the starting lineup. 
but as long as Puff is healthy, because that's what we said, a healthy Puff Johnson is integral to Carolina's success. He needs to get starters level minutes. You know, maybe maybe there's some good reasons to have Pete in the starting lineup, bring Puff off the bench. Uh, but you you see these minutes starting to even out a little bit. Had uh, eight points in this game, two threes. I mean, that's that's big time. Had played well at Wake, 25 minutes, six points, five rebounds, and so healthy Puff Johnson. Bring me all that noise. And our shady stat of the game is Carolina's three-point shooting. They've gone 16 of 72 from beyond the arc in the past three games. That's 22.2%. That's not going to cut it. In this game alone, remember they made 16 in the last three combined. Hit 15 of 33. That's 45.5% from three in this one. Uh, you know, probably more threes than this team will typically or should typically attempt this season just with the way they've shot. But when you're clicking like this, I, you got to keep shooting and you got to keep hitting. You love to say it. Now, again, similar to the, the full game consistency, there's nothing to tell us that this three-point shooting will be consistent going forward. But boy, it was nice. And if you could even hit 37 to 40% on a regular basis. That would be great. But this number ties a season high for a single game for made threes for Carolina. Great job there. Coming up in just a second, we are going to get ready for Miami game because turn right around and play again on Monday. So we got a preview for that. The what to watch for my W2, W4, plus a quick women's recap and the women's tennis team is rolling again. But before we do that, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories? Then you got to try Built Bar. Man, we're just coming off of the holidays pretty recently, and I'm trying to eat better this year. And if you're like me where you want to do that without sacrificing taste, Built Bar is just for you. Because healthy here is actually tasty. Why? Because to start with, 100% real chocolate covers these Built Bars. And then listen to some of these flavors. Churro. Peanut butter brownie? Yeah, give me all that noise. Plus, I'm not sure how Built does it, but they maintain these healthy macros. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and yet 17 grams of protein. And now, you don't even have to wait around for orders to come from Built.com. You can just go down to Walmart, get yourself a four-box count of cookies and cream, or load up on the churro bulk box at Sam's Club and do it that way. Listen, I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Get in on the action with Built.com, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. Coming up tonight, North Carolina and Miami, 7 o'clock Eastern time in the Smith Center, or you can check it out on ESPN. Miami comes in 11-4 and overall, half a game back of Pitt and Virginia for first place in the ACC. And they are playing, quite frankly, like one of the best teams in the conference. So let's get right into the what to watch for because we got a lot to get through in this last segment. So four things to watch for in this game. The question uh, number one for me is to watch this. Which of these two teams handles playing two games in three days more capably than the other? Both teams won on Saturday. So one of these teams is going to go 2-0 and and that that when you have the that two-game stretch is really nice. Now, uh, you might have uh, seen that Miami didn't play particular like they didn't blow out Louisville who they were playing at home on Saturday interesting there uh, but the big difference in these two teams in terms of of lead-in Carolina played at home Saturday plays at home again on Monday Miami has to travel up from South Florida to Chapel Hill to get ready for this one and don't underestimate the toll that that can take especially on a quick turnaround 
moreover, Miami played after Carolina on Saturday and then had to travel. So less rest time in between as well. Keep in mind, Carolina is going to have to do this again in two weeks. They host Virginia on a Saturday and then turn around two weeks from today and go down to Florida themselves to Tallahassee to play Florida State. Thankfully, not nearly as far south in Florida, but there you go. So who handles this turnaround better? That's key in this game and a big part of why it was so nice to have a blowout and get uh, a lot of bench time for uh, the starters and to get the bench players in. So could be key. Number two, what to watch for the backcourt. Uh, you are probably well aware that Carolina has oftentimes under the Jim Laranega years at Miami struggled with some of their guards. Like, like I think Slikes, the little tiny guy haunts all of our dreams. That dude is so good uh, as a college basketball player, but once again, Miami has a really solid backcourt. Um, listen, it's it's Caleb Love and R.J. Davis against Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack. That that is the matchup I am watching in this game, and and I think in some ways that that backcourt matchup could very well decide this game. I would imagine. It's going to be RJ Davis guarding Nigel Pack. He's the shorter of the two, six foot, just like RJ. And then Caleb Love on Isaiah Wong. Wong is six four. And so that's what I think this matchup will be. Wong is the head of the snake, leads the team in points, 16.2, assists, 3.5, and steals, 1.5. But also, it's not just the two of them. Don't miss Jordan Miller, who's actually second on the team in scoring, 14.7 points per game uh, a little smaller six five but I expect that we will see leaky on him that that is my expectation of how coach Davis will set up some of this uh, the backcourt guarding the defensive assignments and so for Caleb and RJ not only do they have to shoot well and run the offense well but they have to contain the the backcourt of Pack and Wong uh, I mean you're not going to shut them out or stop them but you, you got to find ways to contain them and stop them and not let them uh, have, have their way with this game, basically. That's number two. Number three in our what to watch for. Don't sleep, though, on Miami's front court. There are three young men in the ACC that average a double-double. One of them is Armando Baycott. One of the other two is the guy that he will be guarding in this one, Norchad Omir, who's at 14.1 points per game and exactly 10 rebounds a game. But he also has 1.4 blocks per game as, hear this, an undersized center. Only stands 6'7". And so that is going to be trouble for him against Mondo. And so, you know, I, I talked about the, the, that backcourt combo, that backcourt matchup could decide this game. But if they can play to a stalemate at the least, then can Armando take advantage of his size advantage and just... Carolina, feed him, feed him, feed him, go to work. Uh, I, I would hope so, um, but that's on Armando to assert his dominance, get get position early and often, wall off, don't don't let Omir get around him as a shorter guy might be able to do. And it's upon uh, incumbent upon his teammates to get him the ball at the right spot. You know, get out onto the wings, don't feed from the top of the key, find those angles for entry passes and such. Number four in our four corners, or excuse me, in our what to watch for preview is this. Outside of Omir, Miami kind of runs a four around one thing, a four guard lineup uh, most of the time. And so the question becomes going back to the Puff Johnson or uh, Pete Nance of it all. Is this the game 
because of personnel and because of how Carolina has been playing that we might see a different starting lineup because pack and Wong, we can account for with RJ Davis and Caleb love Omir. We can account for with Armando Baycott. And once again, assuming leaky black is on six, seven Miller, that just leaves six, five Wooga Poplar. Yes, that is his name. Wooga Poplar as the fifth starter. Are you putting Pete Nance on that guy to, to try to chase him around? Or do you feel better with a Puff Johnson out there or maybe even a Seth Trimble because of uh, this, this four guard lineup? I don't know. Or is coach Davis going to say, nah, bump that noise. We're not adjusting for you. You got to match us. Here comes Pete Nance. Let's post him up all day long, right? Cause it's not just Baycott. Maybe this is a game where Baycott can slide out a little bit and draw Omir out and then let Nance go to work in the post where he is very capable. We've seen that a lot this season. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Frankly, I don't expect any changes, but here's the thing, whether or not Pete or Puff or somebody else starts, watch the total minutes played against Clemson, Pete Nance, 18.4 or 18 minutes and 43 seconds, Puff Johnson, 18 minutes and four seconds. So essentially a dead heat in minutes played Pete started, but Puff was the one that played just about as much as Pete Nance. So keep your eye on it, whether or not uh, it's a different starting lineup. Just watch those minutes played. And I'll say one more time, let me hit this. You have to follow up Saturday's success by doing well in this one. All right, quickly, a couple results uh, from other teams for the weekend. Women's basketball was down three starters on Sunday, hosting Boston College, and it did not matter at all as the Tar Heels beat the Eagles 73-55. to um, No Alyssa Utsby, no Eva Hodgson, no Anya Poole, and yet it just... No problem. In large part, because it was Kayla McPherson in her first career start that went off 22 points on 9 of 17 shooting, 4 of 7 from 3. What a welcome addition she has been in the last couple games. Kenny Todd Williams was second on the team with 16, and so great performance, steady, even, nice job. Uh, The Tar Heels are tied for fifth with Florida State and Miami in a big-time, big-time matchup at NC State on Thursday. So make sure you are dialed in and ready for that. And then finally, man, the women's tennis team, there's just so many, so many good teams around Carolina. The women's tennis team is competing right now in the ITA indoor national championships up in uh, on university of Washington's campus. Uh, You might be aware that they have won the last three in a row. They've been into the championship match eight seasons in a row. Well, over the weekend on Friday, they defeated number eight in the nation Pepperdine in like the round of 16. Then on Saturday, they defeated number 12, Michigan in the elite eight, the quarterfinals. And then on Sunday, as the Super Bowl's going on, they defeat Texas A&M number three in the nation in the semifinals. A great match came down to two final singles matches and the Tar Heels pulled it out. So what does all that mean? Now, today, Monday, 3 Eastern time, they will compete for a fourth straight national championship in this event. And, kind of cool, they get a rematch with the University of Georgia, number five in the nation, whom they just beat a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday, 5-2. to So, uh, you'd love to think that you learned something in that that you can take and win again and get your fourth straight 
championship in this event. Way to go, ladies. Keep it rolling. Well, friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up tomorrow, we are going to review the Miami game. When you got this Saturday-Monday turnaround, you just got to roll them right on along. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels or me at Isaac Shade. Email the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. We'd love your nominations for this week's Heel of the Week and Heel of the Week. Don't forget to make your next listen Locked On College Basketball, our brand new show here on the Locked On Network, where myself and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know from around the college basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. <sighs> it is a great day to be a Tar Heel. That's a lot easier to say after you come off a 20-point victory on Saturday, right? You know it. And we'll get right back to it tomorrow when hopefully we have another great victory to talk about over the Hurricanes. But until then, peace.